uh, vision is just simply seeing. And God's desire and in His, uh, what I like to say it this way, in, in heaven there's a filing cabinet with your name on it. And your name is, there, there's a file with your name on it. And inside that file is everything that God has predestined. Now don't let that word trip you up. That word just means that God has ordained for you to accomplish. And in that word, He has, he has set out everything to accomplish that you will accomplish in your life. Now, we have, because we are free will agents, we have a choice that we make. Now, God's desire and God's vision, He desires that none should perish. Everybody say none. He desires that none should perish. But yet people still perish every day without making Jesus the Lord of their life. So we know that's not the will of the Father. And so His will for your life is to be in this file, if you will, and everything that He desires for you to accomplish, every gift, every person, every, every job, every, uh, I would say every wife, but your wife, your husband, your children is in that file. And because God's grace and His mercy and His foresight is so much bigger than ours, He foresees even the mistakes that we make and he plans in advance for that. And so in that file is everything that you will accomplish. I believe that. The Bible says it in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans, for I know the vision, for I know the call and the destiny that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So we know that's there. And so in that corresponding with that, we know that God has a vision for our life. And it's just simply a seeing. It's a knowing. It's something that God desires to open your eyes and to see. And it's not the vision itself that is the main object, but it's the message that it conveys. It's the message. Somebody say message. It's the message that it conveys. You see a picture and it's not the picture, but it's the message that the picture conveys that God's... We are people that are visual. We are visual. Especially men. Men are very visual. Women are emotional, but, they, but visuality is a part of that emotionality as well. And so we are visual people. Sometimes you need to see things. Next week, we're going to have some pictures. We're going to be casting the vision to see where we're going as a church. And I'm going to show you some pictures and I'm going to show you some plans and some things that we're desired to do that we're going to do so you'll get a picture. God desires to do that in you. God desires to give you a dream and a vision of your life beyond this afternoon. <laughs> Can somebody say amen? Sometimes we have this vision where we just, we just get by day to day. We live paycheck to paycheck. You've been hearing a lot about paycheck to paycheck here recently in the presidential campaign. But sometimes that's where the average person is. The average Christian just lives paycheck to paycheck. Or, or I would like to say it this way, the average Christian just lives you know, day to day. There is no long-term vision. And Proverbs says that without vision... My people will perish. That means you'll be left to naught. You'll be left to your own devices. If we didn't have a vision from the Lord to give us that vision, we would just be lost. My job as a pastor is to help you, lead you on that spiritual journey and help you see the vision for your life is bigger than what you think it is. It signifies, vision signifies a direct, specific. It's not just general. Oh, I see myself... Standing in the field of people. No, 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 no. It's a specific vision. You anybody ever see that uh, movie, Field of Dreams? Anybody ever see that with, with Kevin Costner? If you build it, they will come. That was, that was very specific, line upon line. It's a great, great illustration of how God leads. He showed up and told him to build something, and he didn't want to build it because everybody thought he was crazy. They showed up, God showed up and told Noah, build an ark. And he said, what's an ark? And he said, I'll show you. And he downloaded into him the specific plan and vision for that, for that ship. And everybody made fun of him. And everybody mocked him. And everybody came against him. But guess what? When the rain came, where were they running? They were running to the man that had vision. People will run to you if you have vision. People will come to you if not only do you know your vision, but you are walking in your vision. Part of where we're going as a church is to help everybody find out what God has called you to do. 80% of Christians, I read this statistic the other day, 80% of Christians have absolutely no idea what their gifting is whatsoever. That's a shame. That's dangerous. 
I have absolutely no idea. So we work and we do and we get frustrated in the kingdom of God and we wonder why. Because you're not doing your gifting. If I tried to be something other than what God has called me to be, I will frustrate myself, I will burn myself out, and then I'll leave the ministry and I'll blame the ministry. But that's not it. Many Christians put their hands to things and then they end up getting burnt out and they wonder why. Why do I get burnt out? Because you're not operating in your gift. When you're operating in your gifting, when you are walking out the vision that God has given you, there's life, there's excitement in your life. It's not even, it's not even where you do it so much as what you're doing. If you're doing what God has called you to do, there is a place to do that. But if you're doing what God's called you to do, that's a great start. He can find you and move you where your gifting is. But if you're not walking in your gifting, and that's part of vision. What is God's vision? Now, how does vision come? We'll go back to Habakkuk. And let me set the stage one more time before we get into the meat of what we're talking about. Habakkuk was, by all intents accounts, he was a worshiper. Now, I want you to take that and listen to me. He was a musician. He was a worshiper. I want you to take that and I want you to put it in your back pocket and hold on because we're going to come back to it later. Okay? He was a worshiper. But Habakkuk was very disturbed. He was frustrated. He was angry. He was, he was mad at his people. How many of you have been mad at your people? Come on now, somebody raise their hand. Everybody, somebody mad at your people. Right. Your relatives, your friends, your husband. Come on, wives. Everybody should have said amen on that one. Your wife. Don't nobody say amen on that one, husbands, okay? Amen. Frustrated at your children. Amen. Your fr- he was... He was He was frustrated, he was angry, and he couldn't understand two things. Number one, why were the children of Israel, why were God's chosen people acting the way they did? And then he was frustrated because people were persecuting him. And he got frustrated and angry, and he went to the Lord. Anybody ever gone to the Lord frustrated and angry? And he said, why, God, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? Why are your people suffering? And why are they acting like they ain't got no sense? No sense whatsoever. Why, Lord, why? And he got very frustrated and very angry, and just was in a state of emotional. And if you read in chapter 1, I want you to listen to this. Verse 12, or verse 5. Look among the nations and watch. This is what the, this is what the Lord said to his response in verse... Let's just start with verse 1. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not... Oh Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear me, Lord. Even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. How many of you know it's not the best thing to go to the Lord whiny? But I'd rather you go to the Lord whiny and be honest rather than not be honest at all and act like the Lord don't know where you're at. Oh, Lord, why are we doing this? Why You won't even come save your children. That's what he said. And he said, why do you, why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? Oh, and now we're going back to pointing fingers. It's your fault. Skip on down to verse 5. The Lord's reply. Look among the nations and watch. And utterly astounded. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe though it were told you. He said, I'm going to do something even contrary to where your faith is at, whiny baby. (laughs) He said, I'm going to work something in you contrary to even where you think you're at. And so he rebuked him, got on to him. How many of you know that when we go to the Lord, sometimes the Lord will show us things that will magnify things in our life that we have demagnified, and it humbles us. It brings us to a place where you say, Lord, you're right. I mean, you're the creator of heavens and earth and, and all that is in it. I can't, you know, it's, it's hard for me sometimes to believe that in and of myself. But we get to be whiny before the Lord, and the Lord says, look, I, I created all this. With my mouth. You don't think I can solve your power bill problem? That's where Habakkuk was. And the Lord said this. He began to talk to him again. And the Lord said, the Lord uh, Lord answered him. But in chapter 2, this is where I want to get to. In chapter 2, this is what he had enough sense to go to the Lord. And Habakkuk said this. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. And watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. 
How did he get that vision? Which the Lord's fixing to download in the rest of chapter 2. How did he get to that place where he heard what the Lord said? There's, there's four things I want you to understand about where we're going. You ready? Number one, Habakkuk found his place and he stood there. He found his place and he stood there. All of us need to get to a place, a place. I don't care where it is. You need to find a place where you can get quiet and you can get to that. you got to get to that place. The, the hustle and bustle of where we live and how we live distracts us. You can't listen. You can't hear effectively from the Lord if you won't even stop, turn off the TV, turn off the social media, get to a place where you can get quiet. His desire is to download into you the vision for your life, your family's life, but if you don't get to a place where you can get quiet enough to hear it, you'll just keep running around like a chicken with his head cut off. He, he went to his place. Find your place and stand there. The word watch post in the, in the Hebrew is means to withdraw of the whole soul from earthly things and fixing it upon heavenly things. The accumulation of these, uh, these acronyms or these synonyms that they use for this means to stand open, to watch, to set upon implies persevering in a fixed position. Now we don't like that. Boy, we, I'm telling you, we live, you know, people say, well, what, how, how's your day going? How you been? How's your week going? Boy, I'm busy. I'm busy. Running, uh, running all over the place. If you, we, if you and I don't learn to stop and take a moment and get to that place, we're just going to keep running. Activity is not what breeds success. Right activity is what promotes success. There's a lot of people. I, I used to work with an individual years ago. I mean, you're talking about somebody. I don't even think the man slept. I think he just laid in bed and vibrated because he was always going, always going, always doing, always doing, always writing, always doing. And he was, he experienced a level of success in the selling, in sales, because he was that kind of guy. He would just go, go, go. But he never experienced the success that he could have experienced in his life or in his business because he never slowed down long enough to get before the Lord. I'm learning this. I haven't arrived, but I'm learning to get myself to a place where I shut everything out and shut my mind up and listen. And I'm telling you, it is amazing what God will show you if you will just shut up. <laughs> I said, mind, shut up. Be still, he said, and know. Not know intellectually, but the experiential knowledge of knowing that I am God. I think sometimes God looks at us and he laughs at us. Like we look at ants running around, you know, and they trying to do all this and we laugh at them because they're so small, but they're accomplishing a lot because they're working together. I think God looks at us sometimes and He goes, slow, just stop. When, when it's chaotic in our house, and I have, we have three girls and my wife, okay, so there's four women and one man in our house. I met, we met somebody yesterday, he's got three girls and one wife. I said, man, we need to start a club called the Testosterone Club. Because there is a lot, there, there, I'm the only one in that house that's got testosterone. Everybody else is estrogen and they running around. And I mean, I don't, ever, don't ever say to me, man, I got laundry to do. Not until you got a house full of women. Don't, don't come to me saying about laundry. We wash more clothes than I think a football team does. We got so much clothes strung everywhere. But when it gets chaotic and it gets running around in our house, we stop and we say, everybody just stop. And it's amazing if you would just stop. Hurry is the enemy of prayer. Hurry is the enemy of your destiny. If you're always in a hurry, if you're always running around, you got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. That's the enemy. God was not caught off guard when you lost your job. Okay? 
God was not caught off when your boyfriend or your girlfriend broke up with you. God was not caught off guard when you've been going through your marital problem. God was not caught off guard when your school teacher said or did or you had the grade that came. God was not caught off guard. You were. And I was. There's a difference. If we don't get ourselves to a place where we just, just stop. Now do you sense that? When you stop and you just rest. And it's like the Lord, the Lord is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to interrupt you. He's going to come alongside and He's just going to tap you. And He's going to say, sweetheart, and you're just, I, I can't talk right now. I've got to go. And, and you're running around you. And He just comes up and He says, sweetheart. And you're just running all over. So the, the Holy Spirit never leaves you, never forsakes you. He's right there while you're doing all these things. And He's right there. And every once in a while, is something inside of you, that still, small voice, says, sweetheart. He talks to me. I don't know how He talks to you, but I'll be running around and the Lord will talk to me and He'll say, son, because He's my daddy. He'll say, son. And I'll be running and I'll be running around hunting my... Son, be still, and I'll show you what to do. Habakkuk knew that in order for him to get to that place, he had to be still. He had to get to that place. You can't hear with all the noise going on. Listen to me. You've got to find a place. It can be your closet, your bedroom you got to find a place where you can get all the distractions. I have found myself a library. I never liked libraries when I was going to school. And now I can't get enough of this little old library that I go to because they got me an office. <laughs> Every time I go there, there's a room that's available that I go in and I shut the door and I get my Bible and I, I get my computer and I get my, all my stuff laid out and I just sit there and I plan and I strategize and I pray. And when I went there the other day and somebody was in my office, I was like, hmm. I was like, who's in my office? I had to sit out in the open, everybody watching me. But you know, the library is real quiet. Real quiet. There's not a lot of distractions, hardly at all. That little old lady at that, that library, boy, she won't, she don't put up with that. Boy, they, they come to you got to get to the place where you can tell everybody, Shh. Let me give you a hint, okay? Let me, let me give you a, some places that is not where you need to get away to hear. Sitting on your bed with the TV on and everybody else running around trying to do something, that's not your secret place. That's not the quiet place. Here's another one. Your job is not your quiet place. You've got to find a place to go where you can get quiet before the Lord. I believe that new believers or seasoned believers, I believe that people who just got born again five minutes ago or people who have been born again for 30 years, everybody needs to find that place where you can get quiet. Now, I'm a night owl. I'm not a 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm a night owl. Sometimes we don't go to bed till 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock sometimes because it's quiet. Well, I, should, I shouldn't say it like that. I am a morning person. I'm a 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning person. And then I take a nap before we get up for the rest of the day. That's just, I've, I've come to realize that for me, that's the best place for me. I get sometimes the best stuff that I, that I download, that I write, that I strategize about, I get done between midnight and 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. But I still find my secret place. I still find that place where I can go to be quiet. Number two. He said, I will set myself on the rampart and watch to see. You got to watch and you got to wait. See, we think of the word waiting as very, we wait very impatiently. <laughs> Can I say it like that? We as Americans, we wait. We like, we like to hurry up and wait. Uh, I got frustrated the other day. We was in line, and I told the girls they wanted something through some drive-thru, and we got in line, and it was like six cars in front of us. I said, this, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. I mean, and it was only 10 minutes, really, if that. 
but I got impatient because I didn't want to wait. I wanted it now. Now, you laugh at me like, is anybody else in the room like that? Am I the only one? I don't like to wait. But when it comes to the Lord, He said, be still and know that I'm God. But this word wait is with an expectation that's attached to it. There's, there's a waiting that we do when we expect God to do something. In, uh, in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 62, verse four, 5 through 6 says, my soul, my soul. You got to speak to your mind, your will, and your emotions. You got to speak to your soul. And he said, my soul, wait thou upon God. For my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. There's a waiting, but that waiting has an expectation to it. Okay, God, here I am. I'm waiting. I'm getting myself calm. I got all the distractions out. And now I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm not just waiting. I'm watching. There's, there, there is a part that we play in waiting. We wait, but we wait with expectation. All right, Lord, what you saying? All right, so a verse comes in my head, so I go to that verse and I start. No, that's not it, Lord. What you saying? What are you saying? Father, where, where are we going? What are we doing? I worship you, Lord. I told you I was going to get back to that in a minute. I'm waiting on the Lord, and then it comes. And then another verse, and then another word, and another thing. And I mean, I'm telling y'all, I don't know about y'all, but I, can't, I have to say, can you hang on just a second? I can't write fast enough. Waiting. There's an expectation. How many of you want God's plan for your life today? Not tomorrow, today. How many of you want to know what you're supposed to be doing tomorrow? How many of you want to know what God's called you to do next year, this year, the rest of your life? How many of you want that plan specifically? Am I the only one? Everybody want that? If you and I will get to that place and watch and wait, I promise you, God will download it into your life. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those that wait upon the Lord, the root word wait upon has a meaning of twisting and winding a strand of cord or rope. And I remember the first time I read that, the commentator said they didn't have any idea what that meant and why they used that word in those that wait upon the Lord. And the Lord said, I'll show you if you want to know. And I said, I want to know. You know what wicker furniture is, okay? You twist it and you strand it together and it's able to carry a very heavy load from things that are twisted and bound together. The Lord said those that wait, those that bind and twist themselves to me. That doesn't just, we're not talking about glue. See, I don't know about you, but I don't hang my pictures up on the wall with 3M sticky things, do you? You know, they can say all they want to about this glue. They can say that it's supposed, they've been tested and proven, but I guarantee you my grandmother would not use that stuff. She's in heaven, but I know she wouldn't use it. You know why? Because it's glue. I'm not sticking something on glue. You want me to fix something on the wall? You're going to have to give me a nail, a screw, an anchor. I want something anchored so that when I hang my wife's beautiful pictures up there, they don't come crashing down. I'm not going to hang it on glue. See, he's not talking to those that stick to the Lord. No, he said those that wait, those that take the time to wind themselves and strand themselves together to where no matter what happens, you, you're winding and you're, you're, you're totally just attaching yourself to the Lord. And you're waiting. And all while you're waiting, you're just, you're just in, engulfed. And he's engulfed in you. And you don't ever let that go. Those that wait, alone, wait upon the Lord... Those that wait upon the Lord, not people that just go to the Lord. Those that wait upon the Lord, those are the ones whose strength shall be renewed. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Anytime I get tired, anytime I get frustrated, anytime I feel like I'm getting burnt out, I have to go back. It's my fault because I'm not waiting and binding myself to the Lord. You may be in a hurry, I may be in a hurry, but God's not in a hurry. Those that wait upon the Lord, watch and wait. 
Some of us in this watching, you need to stop looking for a voice and start looking for a verse. I heard a preacher say that not too long ago. We need to stop looking for a voice and start looking for a verse. See, he has said so much to this. And let me tell you something. Anything that he says to you, anything that he says and declares to you, this is the vision I have for you. Anything that he says is going to line up with this. And guess what? If it doesn't line up with this, whoo, you and I are in trouble. Many a people, many a preachers, many a ministers have gotten off because what they thought the Lord said did not line up. With this, one of my fathers in the faith, the man that had the greatest influence in my life, the late Kenneth E. Hagin, who's gone home to be with the Lord, we call him Dad Hagin, pounded into us the Word. He was one of those men that had uh, encounters with the Lord, visions from the Lord. The Lord actually visited him. And one time the Lord came and visited with him and sat down with him, and he said, your problem is that you're obedient but you're not willing, and therefore you can't eat the good of the land. And he said to him, he said, Lord, you're going to have to show me that in Scripture. And the Lord took him to the Scripture and showed him. He was accounted, Charisma Magazine is doing an article uh, this month, is doing the whole magazine dedicated on the 50 most influential people in Christendom, and he's one of them. He's noted as the father of the faith movement. And the Father of the faith movement poured into me, and now I in turn pour into you. You can do nothing apart from the Word of the living God. You want something to do? You want to be great at whatever you put your hands to? You want to become such a student of God's Word that no one can talk you out of what God's Word has said? Be a student of God's Word. People have come to my office and they have argued and they have debated and they get so mad at me because I say to them, show me in the Word. I need Scripture. They don't want to give you Scripture because it's not in there. The Word is a, is, is a two-edged sword. It is sharper. It is able to cut. That's the whole design of it. This is the Word. And so what I'm saying is when you're watching and you're waiting, you need to be watching this. As much as you need to be watching this. Because the Holy Spirit will always lead you to the Word of God. Fourthly, I mean thirdly, read and study. Become a student of God's Word. Watching it is a part of watching it be an expectation for what God's going to show you. But you've got to be a student of God's Word. You've got to read this Bible. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I get to where I'm enjoying reading my Bible more than I ever have. Well, you're a pastor. That's what you're supposed to do. No, 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 no. I know a lot of pastors who don't enjoy reading their Bible. I enjoy reading my Bible. I enjoy reading those, those stories because then I find out that I'm not the only one who's been whining and complaining. So here you got Habakkuk, who's a prophet, and he's going, I don't know, Lord, why you got these people? And why do they do this, Lord? This is your fault. You created it. Why are they acting like that? When you read it and you see, hang on, hang on just a second, nothing. This guy, oh Lord, how long shall I cry? I'm thinking, man, this guy's a whiny baby. And then the Holy Spirit says, yeah, that's a lot like you used to be, ain't it? And you just aren't listening to me, Lord. Somebody said, you prayed, you asked the Lord. I've asked the Lord, he just ain't saying that, he ain't answering me. No, 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 no. He's answering you, but it just ain't the answer that you want. God's not moved by whininess. God's not moved by your 15-hour prayer vigil of how everything in the world is wrong. God is not moved by your scripture memory techniques and how you can quote the Word of God. He is moved by faith. And faith is a firm persuasion that even though I don't know what's going on, you do, O oh Lord. And so like David, I beseech thee, O Lord, and so you shut your mouth while we're talking to the Lord. You've got, you've got to become that kind of person. You and I have to become that kind of person. When we get beyond, see, I, I, I'm a firm believer. Let me say it this way. I'm a firm believer in getting your emotions out to the Lord. Go on and tell him. Just get it on out. Jesus did. Jesus in the garden said, Father, 
if there be any other way. That, that's, that's pretty insightful. Jesus himself, we know he knew the will of the Lord. He said, I came to do the will of my Father. But yet in the garden, he's going, Lord, if there be any other way, you can alter this will. But then what was the key word? Nevertheless. That's powerful. You know, I encouraged, not too long ago I was talking with someone, and I encouraged, they were, and I said, listen, 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 listen. You, just hush. Why don't you go to the Lord and tell Him all the stuff you've been telling me? Why don't you just get before the Lord and say, you know what, I, I, I hate my life. I said, just, I said, you... I said, you telling me I can't do nothing about it because I'm not God. But if you go to God and just be honest with Him because He knows you anyway, just be honest and say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't like this. I don't see this. This ain't the way that I want it to be. Uh, my husband's not doing this. My wife's not doing this. My children's not doing this. My church is not doing this. My pastor's not doing this. Whatever it may be. Y'all don't pray that about me. I know that. But you say, Lord, whatever it may be, Lord, help me be a better servant to my pastor, Lord. Help me to help him, Lord. That's what you pray, right, everybody? Lord, I don't like these sheep. I don't pray that. But I say, Lord, Lord, I don't know what's going on with these sheep. But nevertheless, nevertheless, Jesus got frustrated with his disciples. So don't get mad at me if I get frustrated at you. Jesus said, how, how long? I mean, how long shall I be with you? He, Peter walked on the water and he rebuked Peter. He said, where is your faith? And Peter was like, I can imagine Peter, where's my faith? What are you talking about? Next to you and me, there ain't nobody else walked on the water. And he said, the point ain't that you walked on the water. The point is you took your eyes off of me. Be honest. He knows you. He knows what you look like naked. So be honest with him in the shower. <laughs> Sometimes that's where I get. I mean, I get. I was like, "Honey, get my Bible." I, the Lord's talking to me. I've got my towel. I'm, I'm because, for whatever reason, the vulnerability that happens at night or early in the morning, the vulnerability that happens when I'm in the shower. I don't know about you. This is just me. I'm just saying it. Just me. The vulnerability of what happens when I'm in that place in that state where I'm just taking a shower and I'm naked before the Lord, I'm at my most vulnerable state and the Lord begins to just talk. When you get yourself to that place of vulnerability, then God will talk to you. And you need, listen, God's a big God. Well, I can't believe the pastor's telling you to go complain to God. Well, don't complain to me. I can't fix it. If you're going to complain, complain to God. But then when you get it all off your chest and you get it all out, then you say, nevertheless. Don't complain and then get up before the Lord has the chance to speak to you. But He ain't going to speak to you until you get to the nevertheless. So go on and write it out this afternoon. Everything that's wrong with your family, <laughs> everything, come on Brother Barry, everything that's wrong with your family, everything that's wrong with everybody else except you, I'm stepping on my toes, okay, so you're not the only one. Go ahead and write everything down. Go ahead and go to the Lord and say, I said hey to Brother Casey the other day, and he didn't say nothing. Lord, you're going to have to change him. And I said hey to Michelle, and she didn't say nothing. And I can't believe. And just go on and list everything that's wrong with everybody else in your job. And then when you get done and you get that off your chest, take a deep breath and say, nevertheless, your will. Now listen to me. Be careful because you're going to have to get 14 times as much paper as you did to begin with, because he's fixing to show you everything that's wrong with you. Because Jesus said, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Well, I just, you know, I can't believe... And, and I'm telling you something that the Lord has been driving home to me, that we have to be careful that we don't judge one another. I know that's another series, that's another 15-week series. We'll start that later on, judging 15 weeks. 
But what I'm saying is there's, there's, a, there's an essence that when you get before the Lord, you find your place, you wait and you watch, and you become vulnerable, and you begin to read the Word of God, that Word is going to begin to do surgery on your nakedness. And it will begin to reveal things in you, but it's for your good. It is for your benefit. God is a loving God. He is a merciful God. Well, God's a God of judgment. You're absolutely right. He did. And His name, where He put His judgment on, was right there on Him. Well, God's judgment is going to come down. You know, God's grace and His mercy far extends our human judgment, thank the Lord. That's why He said, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who do you harm. Number four, write it down. It doesn't matter what you do. If you don't write it down, if you don't record it in a journal of some sort, you won't be able to reference it. Let me tell you what writing things down do. Number one, it signifies to your mind and to your spirit that it's important. When you don't write stuff down, when you just go, I mean, I heard, I, I saw, a, this picture's been around for years and years and years. It says a, a dull pencil is better than, a sharp, than, than any sharp mind. Because there's something that happens when you write it down. There's something that takes place when you take the time to write it down. Your mind, you're in your heart, you're signifying that this is important. I have written things down, and I have a file, a, a, a digital file, that I have written things down for years, and it's amazing when I write them down and I go back and I look at them years later, it's like the Lord accomplished them, and I never did go back necessarily and reference those things, but I referenced other things, but those things got taken care of in the process. I love to journal. I like to write things down, especially when I hear something. And it's not like you're writing it down to memorize it. When you write it down, it's an, listen to me, thank you, Lord, it's an act of faith. It's a step of faith. No matter how little or how big this vision is that you've got that God's beginning to download in you, write it down. Nobody's going to see it but you anyway. Write it down. He said write the vision. Make it plain. Make it simple. Make it readable. So all that read it may run with it. You've got to write it down. If you don't write it down, it's going to slip out. In our house, I'm going to give you an example. In our house, we've implemented a, uh, what I, well, I don't call it a chore sheet because chores make it sound like you're in prison. You know what I'm saying? What we call it around our house is a responsibility sheet. These are things that you are responsible for. I'm responsible for things. Mama's responsible for things. All the children are responsible for things. And we put up their sheet on the refrigerator and every day that they do their things that they're responsible for, we put a little check. And at the end of the month or the end of the week, when they've completed all of their, all of their responsibilities, and then, then they get a reward for that. This is part of their responsibility. They get extra credit. They have all these things. What are we doing? We're putting the vision, we're making it plain, and we're putting it up on the refrigerator. And this week, our house has been cleaner. Our house has been, has, been, has been a house of peace more than because everybody can see the vision on the refrigerator. Guys, this is where we're going. And they get, boy, I'm telling you, they get excited. Mama, I did my chore. Can I go check? They got so, Lainey got so excited about her chore. We started this on Wednesday now. We started it on Wednesday. And she started doing her chores. And from that time till now, the house has just been great. They've been, I've been so proud of them. They got so excited. Lainey went back and checked off Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> it's like, baby, we didn't have Monday and Tuesday. She said, I don't care. I'm excited. Mama, I guess she got up this morning. I got to do my laundry. I got to take my clothes out. I got to do my laundry, Mama. They're excited. Why? Because we're not just walking around going, did you do your chore today? Get in there and clean the kitchen. And that was me. Get in there and clean it. Clean this liver. Clean this kitchen now. Now it takes the load off of me because I just walk by the refrigerator and I look and I go, mm, okay, have you done your responsibility today? No, sir, Daddy, I ain't done it today. All right, well, maybe we ought to get to doing that, don't you think? Okay, Daddy. And if they don't do it, then what happens? They don't get the reward. Everybody's got a responsibility. Listen to me. If you don't write down the vision that God has put in your heart, you will never see the reward. 
Now let me say this. This is not in my notes, so I'm going to give this to you for free. 2 Timothy, ready? 2 Timothy, go there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to read this to you. I got this this morning and it is good. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Okay? Now in this, he begins to exhort Timothy, reminding him of his faith and his heritage. This is part of it now. You're going to write the vision down. That's, that, that's one of the most important parts, writing it down. All right. So he reminds Timothy, I call, verse 5, to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. He's encouraging him, even was in your mama and your grandmama. And he says, therefore, I remind you, stir up that gift. How do you stir it up? you got to go back to it. You want to be an engineer? Then bless God, you need to write that thing down and begin to look at that and say, I believe God's called me to be an engineer. I believe God's called me to be a doctor, a dentist, or a preacher. Whatever it is, you write it down and you put that thing before you. He said, stir yourself up. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and of power and of sound mind. Ready? Verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 9. Who has saved us, you ready, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose. The vision in your life is not accomplished by your works. It's accomplished by His purpose. The vision in your life will not be accomplished by the sweat of your brow. It will be accomplished by the generosity and the grace of His purpose. You and I fulfilling the call of God in our lives. Our part is to get to that place, is to pray and to wait, and then our part is to write it down. And last but not least, read it regularly. He told Timothy, he said, stir yourself up. Listen, nobody else is going to necessarily do that for you. You and I, we have to stir ourselves up. We live in a negative society. We live in a world, we live in a negative Christendom, to be honest with you. Christians sometimes are the some of the most negative people. Bless God, we got, I mean, God is our daddy. I was talking to a guy the other day, and the more we talked, the more both of us got stirred up. And I don't know this guy. I just met him over the phone. And we're just talking, the more we talk, the more we got stirred up. Why? Because there's faith. There's a sharpening that's going on. And we're, man, we've got, we have got the answer. We've got it. What the world is looking for, you got it. You got it right here. And you got it right here. You've got what they're looking for. What my job is, what I'm desiring to do, what I endeavor to do is to help you find out what it is so that you can begin to walk in it and operate in it. Let me give you four things. Okay, so you've gone through this process and you've done all this and now God begins to download this vision. You begin to write it down. Let me give you four things to make sure that what you got from God wasn't just bad pizza the night before. Are you ready? Number one, does it line up with the Word of God? That's number one. Well, I believe God's... Uh, I, I, remember, I remember a story of, uh, of a man that came to, one of the, to a preacher and said, I want you to believe God with me. And he said, okay, what are we believing God for? And he said, well, do I have to tell you? And he said, yeah, if you want me to believe God with you, you're going to have to tell me. I mean... How can I believe for something I don't know what we're believing for? So he said, believe God with me. He said, okay. He said, I've been watching her, and I like her, and I want her to be my wife. And he said, well, that ain't going to happen. He said, why not? Because she's already married. You can't do it. You can't believe God for somebody. You can't. Why? Because it's contrary to the Word of God. I want you to believe God with me that Langston will give me his coat. Come on, let's all believe right now together, Father, that Langston will give me his co no, that's Langston's coat. That ain't my coat. That's covetousness. And I said, man, Brother Langston, I, ooh, I like that coat. I, can you believe God with me that I can get a coat like that? I know Langston. He'll say, yeah, bless God, let's, 
Let's pray. And so he's praying and setting himself in agreement with you. That's lining up with the Word of God. Number one, is God to line up with the Word of God? Number two, does it make you point more towards Christ and does it, does it point towards Christ? If the vision that God has given you, does it point towards Him or does it point towards you? Does it make you, let me say it this way, does the vision that He's called you to do, does it drive you closer to Him or further away? Does it fulfill both the purpose and the personality of Jesus Christ? Number one, what I mean by that is does it make you look more like Him and does it make you do more like Him? If God's vision for your life, it will make you more like Him and it will cause you to do more things like Him. You won't do everything. Jesus Himself said that. But it will make you more like Him and it will make you function like Him. You'll begin to look like Him and you'll begin to walk like Him. Are you following me? The vision that God's given you, it will point you towards Him. Number three, do those that are in spiritual authority over you confirm it? Oh, this is a big one right here. This is where the train starts coming off the tracks. Because you say, you, you, you're so excited. And you've got this thing, and you go and you sit down with those that are in authority over you. And if you don't have anybody in authority over you, everybody needs somebody in their life to tell them no. Say that with me. Everybody, or say it this way, I need someone in my life to say no. And just so you know, I got about five or six people in my life that tell me no. That speak into my life. I'm not talking about here. I'm not talking about in this church. Although we share with we share one another as elders, I'm talking about people that speak into my life that say, I don't think you need to do that. I got it. Everybody needs someone in their life to say no. All right, so you got that. So if they don't see it, and they don't recognize it, ooh, you need to pay close attention to that. You need to pay close attention to that. Especially if they have been tested and they have been proven that they have nothing but your well-being and your best intentions for your life in their mind and in their heart, and they have proven that, you need to listen to that. Ooh, you need to listen to that. Let me tell you something about your parents, children. If you're not at the age, see, it says children obey their parents, right? Children, obey your parents. Then it says later on, honor your father and your mother. There comes a place where you transition from being obedient to your parents to now you've stepped into adulthood and now you honor your father and your mother. But to this day, my parents, my dad especially, if I go to him or I'm talking to him about some things, if he, if he shares a concern with me, I take that to heart. Even though I'm a grown man, I'm, a, I'm an adult, I make my own decisions, but yet to honor my father, wait, wait, hang on now, I don't want to get away from this. My daddy thinks that it's not a good idea. I might need to pray about that some more. My spiritual father, fathers that are in my life, they tell me, I don't know if I'd do that. I, 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 I tried that one time, it didn't work. Okay, I'm going to put that way over here to the side then because if you tried it and it didn't work, then I know it ain't going to work for me. I'm going to lead. I'm going to take, not, not to say that you're led by what they say, but their influence weighs heavily on you. Children, you need to be obedient to your parents. Man, there wasn't one amen on that one. Children, you need to obey your parents. You get yourself out of the realm. You want to get your life in trouble? You disobey your parents. Well, what if my parents are wrong? Disobey them. I mean, obey them. Not disobey them. <laughs> obey them. All the kids go, amen. <laughs> Let me tell you something. God is a God of order. If you will line yourself up with God's order, the Holy Spirit is well able and capable of waking your parents up and telling them they're wrong. We tell our children, but daddy, but no but, just do what I say. And by you lining yourself up with the Holy Spirit and being obedient, the door is open for the Holy Spirit now in a greater way to say, you shouldn't have said that. Or your wife, who hears the Lord, will tell you, you shouldn't have said that. 
or on the rare occasion that it happens, the husband will be able to say, no, honey. But when you line yourself up, listen, you may not agree with everything at your job. But if you will line yourself up, like Paul told Timothy, if you will line yourself up with those who are in authority over you, you, that's your part. Well, I don't think we need to do that. Well, then line yourself up with it because if it's not contrary to the Word of God, listen to me, I'm not talking, go back to principle number one, it's got to line up with the Word. If your pastor or your job, your, your manager or your husband or your wife is doing something that is blatantly against this biblical scriptural principle, then you obey God. We like to fuzz the line a little bit, don't we? Well, the Bible says, no, 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 be careful. Even, even Paul told, even, even, this is what he said. He said, in, he said that in, in Corinthians or Ephesians, he said the unbelieving husband, I mean the believing husband sanctifies the unbelieving wife and the believing wife sanctifies the unbelieving husband. I've counseled with people before and said, well, my husband don't want to do this. My husband don't want to do that. My husband don't want to go to church. And my husband don't want to pray. And I said, does your husband have a job? Yes. Okay. Does your husband bring home the bacon, so to speak, and provide? Yes. Okay. Does your husband beat you? No. Does he cuss you? No. Then Submit. He's not doing anything contrary to the Word. The Bible said there's a reason why. Because by us submitting to those that are in authority, love, we open the realm of the Spirit for the Holy Spirit to move and you heat coals of fire. We don't, we don't like that one either. We don't like to pray for those who hurt us. Yeah, what you talking about, preacher? We don't like to do, we don't like to do good to those who do good to those who persecute us? I don't want to do good. I want to do you some good and take you out behind a woodshed and teach you a lesson or two. That's what I want to do. That ain't going to do nothing. Violence never. You're not going to get anywhere by doing it. It's the love of God. Now, you don't just let things happen. Even God said that. But at the same time, we got this idea of submission that we can submit as long as we agree. Let me give you a clue, okay? Submission, and uh, uh, let me say it this way, agreement is not a prerequisite for submission. He told Moses, he said, if you be, Abraham, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. You can be obedient and not be willing to be obedient, and you just disqualified yourself. This is what I like to say. You got to buy in to such a degree. Submission is you got to buy in to such a degree that you do it as if it was your idea. Submit to those who are in authority over you. If they don't see it going down the right way, you need to take it before the Lord and you need to take heed because they have nothing but your best spiritual well-being in mind. And number four, does this dream or this vision focus on me? Or does it focus on others? Well, I have a dream that I'm going to be this world-renowned pastor and preacher. I'm going to travel around all over the world preaching the gospel and getting people healed and saved. I want to be a mu I want to be, I just want to be famous. Be careful. I want him to be famous. We want him to be famous. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want the glory. Father, I want to give you all the glory. Father, we just want to give you the glory. We don't want the recognition. We don't want the name tag. We don't want the pipe. We want you to get all the honor and all the glory. Does it point towards you or does it point towards others? Because here's a clue. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. The vision that Jesus had was not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Stand with me. Come on up. Come on up, Haley.
Now, before she starts playing, go ahead. I'm going to tell you when to play, but just not right yet. I want to give you a key. Once you find that place, I want to give you a key. And this is, this is one that we see in Habakkuk. Now, I told you that he was a musician, right? I told you that he was probably more qualified to lead in the temple worship. I, I, I want you to notice something. There is something about worship that draws it out of us. And in 2 Kings, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to turn there. I'm going to set the stage. In 2 Kings, the kings get together and they decide to come against another king. And in chapter 3, it says that Moab rebels against Israel. So they begin to go after him. And all the kings get together. And they come and they say to Jehoshaphat, and, and they ask Jehoshaphat, they say, will you come join us? And Jehoshaphat said, yes, I'm in covenant with you. I will join you and we will conquer this. And so they were looking for direction. They were looking for vision. And this is what Jehoshaphat said. The word, the word of the Lord is with me. So the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom went down to him. Then Elisha said to the king, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father. Jehoshaphat said, I, 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 they said, I know that there's Elijah around here somewhere. And Jehoshaphat said, yeah, get him. And so they went to, Jeho they went, not Jehoshaphat, Elisha. They went to Elisha and they said, we need a word from the Lord. And, the Lord, and Jehoshaphat, I mean, uh, Elisha said, what do I have to do with you? What do you want from me? And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Elisha turned to Jehoshaphat and, said, and told the other kings, he said, Listen, if it weren't for this man right here, I wouldn't give you the time of day. But I'm going to honor this man. The Lord doesn't honor you. He honors Jesus in you. He said, if it weren't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't pay y'all no attention. That's pretty strong. For You know, prophets have a hard time getting their point across. He said, but he said, he said, but I will do this thing you asked of me because of this man, because I am in covenant with this man. Well, guess what? You and I are in covenant with him, God Almighty, through the blood of Jesus. And so he come, we come to him in Jesus' name. So here's the key. You ready? And Elisha said, because of, because of Jehoshaphat, he said, I will do this, but now bring me a musician. Bring me a minstrel. Haley, would you play something? Now I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to begin to think about what it is that God would have you to do. Put yourself in that place. Put yourself in that moment. All right, stop playing for a second. Keep, no, don't, don't you stop. I just want her to stop. Now put yourself in that place. Put yourself in that moment. We're coming before the Lord to download vision. It's a little different, isn't it? Go ahead and start playing again, Haley. Now I don't know about you, but I sense something different when she plays. There's something that happens in the room when she begins to play. And it's not just about her. There's something that music does when we give our voice to the Lord. Okay, stop playing for a second. Now put yourself, go on, don't, not, don't be distracted by the music. Put yourself back in that place. It's tough, isn't it? All right, you can play for real now. The key that I'm trying to get over to you is put yourself in a place of worship. Worship is the highest expression that we give to the Lord. We all are going to worship something, but what are we going to worship? And I'm telling you, if you get yourself before the Lord and you begin to worship Almighty God, oh, we worship you, O Lord. Just let your heart begin to sing to the Lord. Oh, Lord, we worship you. You are Almighty God. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy and your grace in my life. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, we worship you, oh, God. Now, you put yourself in that place. 
and you're worshiping before the Lord and then the Lord begins to speak to you. Father, I pray for every person, not just here, but those that are listening, on, that, that will listen online, those that will participate in this service by, by listening to this. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that as we step into that place, of quietness and as we begin to worship you the Lord you would begin to download the vision and the dreams in our hearts we worship you Lord oh Lord we worship you Lord we worship in adoration towards you you are the God of God just listen just don't, don't be looking around just close your eyes just say, Lord, I worship you. I, I love you. Thank you for all that you've done in my life. Mm-hmm. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Oh, Lord, we worship you, oh, God. Oh, to worship you, oh God. We live to worship you. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare that God's vision be made clear in your life. I declare that His plans and His purposes be unveiled in your life right now in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus. Every vision, every plan that He would have for this next season in your life, I declare that it be made known to you right now in the name of Jesus. Every question that you have about your future, I pray and believe that God is beginning to download that to your life right now, today. Father, give them a clearer vision. Give us a clearer picture of the life that you have for us today. Now, With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want anybody looking around. Please don't leave. Please don't move. This is very important. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're not here to point you out, to bring you up to the front and make everybody know. That's not what this is about. Everybody's head is bowed and every eye is closed and everybody's being still. I want to give you the opportunity to say, I don't even know how to get to the place because I don't even know the man that gets I don't know God. I don't know Him. I've never made Him Lord of my life. You keep talking about this and it stirs something up in me, but I'm scared. I don't know God. I want to give you that opportunity today to give your life to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity to make Him the Lord of your life. Maybe there's some of you here that you've, you've, you've made Jesus. You, you got saved. You asked Him to come into your heart, but you've never made Him the Lord of your life. See, Lordship is nothing more than just say, Lord, here's my life. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. I want to become passionately involved with you. The Bible says in Romans that it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. The goodness is that you don't have to do anything to earn His approval. You don't have to do anything to draw Him closer to you. He's there waiting on you. He wants you. He wants you. He's not interested in what you can do. He's interested in you. Me as a pastor, and I'm talking to those who aren't, who doesn't consider this your church. I'm talking to you and I'm saying I'm not interested in your gift. I'm interested in you. I want you. I want your heart. I want to help you find out what God has called you to do. So if that's anybody in here, I'm not going to ask you to stand I just want all of us to pray together, but I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. If that's you, you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, you want to rededicate your life, just lift your hand right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to do all of you to do this with me. Let's all, let's all pray this prayer. Father, I give myself away (laughs) I believe 
Your son died on the cross for my sins. Past, present, and future. I receive your grace. I receive your salvation. And I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. And I'm yours. I give myself away. What you want me to do, I'll do. Where you want me to go, I'll go. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, New Covenant, let's give everybody a hand for giving that love. Thank you, Lord. Give God the glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Now, before I bring somebody up to pray for us and dismiss, let me ask you to do this for me. In the front of your seat, there's a little connection card, okay? We're not going to call you. We're not going to bombard you. But we want to send you some things. If you made that decision today, we want to send you some material that will help you. We want to give ourselves an opportunity to just introduce who we are. And we want to give you the opportunity to join if you don't have a local church or to help find you a local church. I know a lot of the pastors in the area. And if you need somewhere to go and we're not necessarily your fit, I'll help you find somebody. I will. That's my heart. If you would, would you just fill out that connection card in the front? You don't have to give it to nobody. You don't have to stand up and raise your hand. But if you would, just drop it in that back box on your way out. Well, I'd like to send you a gift. I'd like to send you something just to let you know who we are. Will you do that for me? Amen. Amen, amen. Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.